It's really commonly um, diagnosed after 30 years of age. So there are lots of cases where it develops younger, at a younger age. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is something that can develop over time if the triggers are environmental or hormonal, but sometimes you're also genetically predisposed. So if it runs in the family, you might see it develop at a younger age. Hey ReFam, I'm Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast so good it'll make you blush. This week I'm joined by ReMediSpa's dermal clinician Sophia and she's going to give us the lowdown on rosacea. She'll break down how to tell if you actually have rosacea or if you're just a bit of a flusher as well as all the different subtypes. It's more than just blushing. Did you know you could even get rosacea in your eyes? I didn't. And most importantly, she's going to give you tips and tricks on how to manage flare-ups and treat your skin. Welcome, Sophia. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, So today we're going to talk about rosacea. I think it's something that's come up quite a lot recently and all like everyone I talk to, all my friends are like, oh, rosacea, that's my problem. So I don't want to say that I doubt them. But what exactly is rosacea? So it's one of the most commonly diagnosed um, dermatosis or skin conditions. Um, It's said to affect about 10 to 12% of the population and it's kind of disproportionately common in lighter skin types. So it has quite a few subtypes and Mm -hmm. the characteristics vary. Okay. So what are the characteristics? So most commonly and what it's well known for is that redness or that what we call erythema, um, flushing, blushing, um, and kind of that persistent inflammation in the skin, most commonly in the midsection of the face, so nose, cheeks, chin. Mm-hmm. And is it something, do you have it like all the time or is it sparked by certain activities or certain behaviours? So it's really commonly um, diagnosed after 30 years of age. Oh, okay. Right. So there are lots of cases where it develops younger, at a younger age. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is something that can develop over time if the triggers are environmental or hormonal. But sometimes you're also genetically predisposed. So if it runs in the family, you might see it develop at a younger age. Oh, okay. Fascinating. So, um, like, for me, I know I've been like, I have rosacea because I'll drink red wine and it'll be the middle of winter and my face is sitting in front of the fire. Right. Um, is there a way to tell between when you're like just blushing or if it is actual diagnosable rosacea? Yeah. So I'd say if it's coming and going that it's probably not rosacea. I mean, the, the characteristics might be that of rosacea, but rosacea is generally chronic, flushing, chronic redness. Okay. And recently they found that there are a few different um, proteins present in the skin um, mm-hmm. and a few different um, mites or microbes present in the skin that wouldn't be present, say, in your skin. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah. Are there certain things that can trigger it or is it different for everybody? Yeah, absolutely. So the exact cause of rosacea is currently unknown known but Mm. the triggers are pretty well known and um, we do see trends in triggers Um, things like environmental factors um, hormonal factors genetic predisposition like we mentioned before Um, uv exposure chronic uv exposure has a really tight link with rosacea um, and that's one of the factors that would cause that late onset or that 
general onset, say at 30. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's found in a younger population, it's probably more genetic or mm-hmm. um, family kind of influenced. Yeah. So we also see links to lifestyle. So what we're drinking, what we're eating, medication that we might take. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the use of topical creams, which we'll touch on later, mm-hmm. um, can also exacerbate the way that uh, rosacea, the the intensity of rosacea in an individual. Gotcha. So if people notice these, like certain things are triggering it, mm-hmm. is that is that a way to kind of help lessen the effects? Like if they're like, okay, well, whenever I drink this or I eat this, I end up with rosacea. If I just cut that out, is that one way that you would suggest to help not cure it but treat it? Yeah, to manage it. Um, so when we're talking about what can um, reduce the the intensity or what can help to lessen um, the effects of rosacea, definitely um, taking into account lifestyle factors um, and kind of external triggers Mm -hmm. um, can help to lessen the severity. Um, It'd be hard to say to someone, you know, cut out hot food, cut out wine. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like half my diet. (laughs) Um, And also like uh, as a a lifestyle factor, um, heat inducing activity, which would Mm -hmm. also be hard to cut out. So exercise, saunas, spas. Um, So I'd say Perhaps expecting that your rosacea might be a little more intense after those activities Mm -hmm. um, might be something to keep in the back of your mind so that, you know, look, if I'm out or if I'm going out tonight and I want to avoid a super red face, let's just cut down on the vino, cut down on maybe not do such an intense workout that morning just to to feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There are certain people that it affects more. So when we're talking about the different subtypes, definitely, um, just to touch on those, mm-hmm. um, the most common um, form of rosacea is erythematotelangiectetic rosacea. Rolls off the tongue. Right. Um, so that's the um, form that's well known. So that redness, that flushing, inflammation um, and telangiectasia, which is dilated blood vessels mm-hmm. um, or what people call like spider veins or broken capillaries. They're called telangiectasia. Um, and you'll find those in the mid face. Mm-hmm. That is what is found in the lighter skin types um, and also in the darker skin types, but it's mm-hmm. harder to monitor Gotcha. Um, in the darker skin types. If you're talking about like a Fitzpatrick four to six, so that's like mm-hmm. Middle Eastern, Indian, Mediterranean, African, mm-hmm. um, rather than focusing on those physical manifestations of rosacea, we might focus on the sensations associated with those characteristics. Oh, okay. So um, that heat, flushing, sensitivity, mm-hmm. um, itchiness, irritation, or reactive skin types that will um, become quite uncomfortable when washing the face or putting any sort of active um, product on the skin. Okay. Yeah. So when they put on like an active product or whatever, would it be like really tingly or itchy or yeah. something? Yeah. So it would become itchy, um, a little bit stingy usually. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes they won't initially react to that product, but, you know, maybe an hour later it might become itchy and uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Almost as though um, it's a reaction to that product. Mm-hmm. It's not usually allergic. It's just that skin type sensitive and that active uh-huh. has made, has say, say compromised their barrier. Yeah, their top layers of skin. Okay, so besides, you obviously talked about skin types, genetics. You did kind of touch on microbes and stuff. Is so, 
can it be an autoimmune thing as well? So the body's innate response to threat when it comes to the skin mm-hmm. um, can trigger certain processes and therefore um, kind of express certain like proteins and immune cells. So in the case of rosacea, um, they've found, and, and we, they don't know why, a higher concentration in a protein called catholicidin, right? So this is like an antimicrobial protein mm-hmm. or peptide. Microbial is a great word. An antimicrobial. Yeah, nice. So it eats the microbes. Ooh. It gets rid of it nice. like a Pac-Man. Yeah. Um, and so they found the catholicidins are in a higher concentration in people with rosacea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what these proteins usually do is um, in response to the immune system perceiving a microbe as a threat, mm-hmm. um, they'll rush to that area and clear it out. And part of that process is causing a short-term inflammation, a short-term um, dilation of the blood vessels. But in people with rosacea, this occurs over a long period of time. So it becomes chronic and then oh, okay. that can exacerbate the physical characteristics of rosacea. Yeah. Um, and it's general in that in most people with chronic rosacea or serious rosacea, this is also a factor. Okay, got it. So but when you say like chronic rosacea, you mean like people might kind of be flushed all the time? Or? Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not called chronic rosacea, but I, yeah. mean, I mean flushed over a long period of time. Pers- let's call it persistent rosacea. Yeah, okay. So it can be transient or persistent. Uh-huh. And in um, people who have persistent rosacea or persistent redness and flushing, this is a common factor. Gotcha. Yeah. So besides avoiding triggers, is there any other way to help treat rosacea? Yeah, absolutely. So in general, um, limiting UV exposure is important, mm-hmm. um, seeing as it's such has such a um, tight link with the development of rosacea. Um, limiting environmental factors, as we mentioned previously, if it was something that were a little bit more um, serious or chronic mm-hmm. um, and if you saw a doctor or a dermatologist, they might prescribe um, an anti, an oral anti-inflammatory, an mm-hmm. oral um, steroid-based medication. Um, but with your dermal clinician, you, would, um, you might like to try IPL, which mm-hmm. is um, super simple procedure, straightforward but highly effective and has shown the successful... Um, reduction of the characteristics of rosacea. So basically what we're doing with the laser is we're targeting the blood vessels Mm -hmm. um, and the IPL, the wavelength that we use, is highly attracted to haemoglobin, oxyhemoglobin. Um, So we're shutting down those blood vessels and therefore reducing... Um, the uh, that redness and oh, the okay. appearance of the blood vessels on the surface. Cool. Yeah. So would like LED kind of help as well? Yeah, absolutely. Something. Yeah, something that's a little less um, invasive, I suppose, yeah. is LED and great for the the four to six Fitzpatrick skin types. Mm-hmm. Um, IPL can sometimes, um, depending on the skin type and how reactive they are, IPL can sometimes be unsuitable. Mm-hmm. But um, Really simple, hydrating and calming clinical facials, including the use of LED, Mm -hmm. can also restore their barrier. So one of the characteristics of rosacea, which is um, like a deep dehydration flakiness, indicates that the top layers of skin um, are not as protective as Mm -hmm. we might like them to be. And therefore, that person has a higher chance of, say, microbes entering the skin or Mm -hmm. the skin becoming a little more irritated or infected. So what we'd like to do is to um, reinforce that barrier to protect it and to rehydrate it so as to make the barrier a lot healthier. 
Got you. What about like skincare? Is there certain, is it just kind of trial and error, see what kind of cleansers work or is there a certain type of cleanser that is better suited to people with rosacea? So uh, I'd say not to use anything that's super active mm-hmm. um, because we're already dealing with a sensitive skin, um, a reddened and inflamed skin, things that are calming. So if I generally, if I treat somebody with a, a dehydrated barrier um, or a reddened skin, mm-hmm. I recommend gentle cleansers, um, really kind of mild actives, mm-hmm. like sometimes a vitamin B or a hyaluronic acid mm-hmm. in um, small concentrations um, and just uh, something that's nourishing and hydrating because that's mm-hmm. what their skin needs, anti-inflammatory hydrating products. Gotcha. Yeah. I actually, because um, I drew research before right. I interview, Love that. Um, I was Googling rosacea and I saw there were some pictures and, you know, there'd be guys with these, oh, their nose would be quite like, right. I don't know if postules is the right word, but, you know, they'd be really, really big. Yeah. And and that was rosacea. So is that like a, another kind of type of sides that kind of like flushing that you immediately think of with rosacea? Yeah. So um, we have that initial like kind of the redness, flushing, erythematogenic Then we have the papulopustular rosacea, which is that initial rosacea with um, also with visible papules or pustules, which are basically red lumps or pustules, which is the, the clinical word for pus-filled pimples. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's phimatous rosacea, which mm-hmm. is what you're referring to. Um, and it's not very common in women. We tend okay. to find a higher prevalence in males. There were some strange theories that have now kind of been debunked as to why it occurs. Mm-hmm. But um, on a cellular level, it's basically the oil glands in that nose region, that nasal region, mm-hmm. um, have enlarged and so that's what gives it a bumpy lumpy look and it can also be accompanied by as you said pustules and Mm -hmm. papules um it can be treated yeah in some cases it becomes quite severe Mm -hmm. um and ongoing so chronic and in some cases has to be treated with surgery oh damn so what are they doing the surgery like cut it off um i'd imagine they find a way to treat the follicle. So the oil gland is oh. in every hair follicle, there is an oil gland. Yeah. Um, but that is causing inflammation of that whole nasal region. So if you look at before and afters of phimatous rosacea, mm-hmm. pre and post surgery, um, it just, it's amazing yeah. what they can do. I don't know exactly. Maybe that's a question for uh, Dr. Bloom and Dr. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Taylor. All right. <laughs> uh, but no, there is, a, there is a successful treatment of a phimatous, serious phimatous rosacea with surgery. Is it more common in men because they have more like sebaceous, like oily skin typically? Um, yeah, so correct in that men generally have thicker skin and oilier skin. Yeah. Um, there's no re- there's no kind of um, known reason as to why it's in the nasal region, mm. um, but... We also know through research and surveying that men take less care of their skin. That's probably a very fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when exposed when it comes to UV exposure. So they're less likely to wear SPF. Um, okay. They're less likely to treat something in the initial stages of its development. Gotcha. Um, so it does tend to get a little bit more serious in men. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that they don't just don't commonly find phimatous rosacea um, in women. Oh, interesting. Right. Um, and just to 
just to wrap up in terms of the subtypes, there's also mm-hmm. ocular rosacea, mm-hmm. which is um, rosacea that affects the eyes. Yes. So in people oh. that have the the, the um, puffiness, yeah. um, that kind of intense redness, the thickened eyelids oh. and the little papules kind of on their yeah, eyelids. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a form of rosacea that affects the eyes. Get out of town. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Those subtypes. I know, yeah, they're the four main <laughs> they're the four main subtypes. Wow, that's fascinating. Rosacea used to be so inflammatory skin conditions used to be treated mm-hmm. with topical corticosteroids. Yeah. And researchers found that inflammatory skin conditions like rosacea um, can initially in the short term be treated well with topical corticosteroids mm-hmm. um, but after a while and with chronic use of these types of creams within weeks to months um, of the daily use of topical corticosteroids the skin can actually almost become addicted to the um the medicinal part of the cream oh. and so when we stop using that cream yeah. it creates a withdrawal and it can actually worsen the rosacea. Yeah, I bet. So a lot of the time we see people, or I've seen in my experience, patients come to me and say, I was on this topical cream. Um, it was a corticosteroid. My skin was amazing. My rosacea was under control. And I stopped using it. And in two weeks, my rosacea is even worse than it was. Yeah, and yeah, we call that a withdrawal of the corticosteroid. So that's yeah, that makes sense. what previously was a, a really common treatment for rosacea is now not something they consider because of its um, severe side effects. Got you. Mm. Who knew there was so many different wrongs of rosacea? If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today and we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.